values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show as always. High gas prices, the headline, high gas prices prompt California lawmakers to consider penalties on oil company profits. I'm looking at a story that goes back. This is back from July, I believe, is when this particular story was written. No, actually, sorry, it was back in, uh, yeah, it was, and this was written at the in June. Um, and it was a study between the months of March and June and gas prices in California and looking at how much they pay in taxes. Do you know that state gas taxes and fees, cents per gallon in California, they lead the nation at 68.2 cents per gallon? 68.2. And so that it fluctuates a little bit because one of their fees is a 2.25% um, tax on a gallon of gasoline. They also factor in a very high rate when it comes to um, their per gallon tax that's flat across the board. There's also some other fees. And in total, it's 68.2 cents in average there now. It's a little bit lower now because the prices of gasoline have gone down. My point is the state of California wants to demonize and go after the oil companies, but they are far and away the highest. As as uh, as the 14.7% is the share, in, in Arizona, we are at 19 cents. Total, we're 47th out of 50 states. Only New Mexico, Mississippi, and Alaska are lower than we are. And New Mexico and Mississippi are only two tenths of a of a of a percent, or I'm sorry, uh, two tenths of a penny lower. We are 8.1 percent of a cost of a gallon of gas is taxes in Arizona. They're at 14.7. Now, other states are even higher. Illinois is at 17.3. Pennsylvania is the highest at 17.9. But when you factor in the fees, I bring this up because when we start talking about what's best for economies, uh, Arizona, we now know that housing prices have cooled a little bit. Not as much as you would think. Home values have dropped. There are a couple of zip codes where they have dropped 8.2%, but it's usually around 4% around the valley. We've seen home prices cool off a little bit, but with the increase in interest rates, prices for homes, or at least payments for homes, are still relatively high. Uh, the two biggest decreases were both 8.2% were in neighborhood zip codes 85031 and 85035, but uh, the numbers have reduced typical home prices from 297000 to 273000 in the 85031, and in the other district, uh, or the other zip code, I'm sorry, from 290 to 266. So people are seeing drops in the values of their homes, and in some areas more significant than others here in the valley. Rent has gone down. That's really good news as well. But we are still paying a high price for rental properties. That's because we don't have enough homes for people to live in. There is still a high demand. And as the economy worsens, here is what I predict, and I will see. I'm not an economist, but we'll see what happens. I predict Arizona is going to continue to grow, and the reason why is we are diverse. We've diversified our economy. We know that there is a push toward the chip industry. There is a, and when you start looking at these higher paying jobs that are coming here, that have come here, I, I've talked about Mesa quite a bit because I have some friends who live in Mesa, and what the city has done there has been intentional growth. The way they have grown in the high tech industry. What that does is bring higher paying jobs to that part of the valley. When you have higher paying jobs in those areas, people want to live close to work, which means they build homes or buy homes that are higher in value. You start seeing the higher end places to shop, 
Those are the that is what happens in those areas. It's not done by accident. And now in the Northwest Valley, up there at the 303 and the I-17 where they're building that huge chip plant, what used to be desolate desert is now transforming into a huge part of the metropolitan area. But the home prices in the area around there, you're going to see them go up dramatically. They're going to go up dramatically because now they're going to be in demand for people that are working in and around that chip plant. Maybe it's all a simple economics. So I believe that Arizona is going to continue to grow because as the job market softens in other parts of the country, and it already is, ours isn't. We still are increasing. Now, we saw more jobs added last month. There's no doubt about that. But we are also seeing some companies begin to lay off. People will look to make that move. When you're forced into a move like that, people look for a new start. And if they can come out here, if they can come to the desert southwest or relocate to a state with very, very low or no income tax where they can find a good paying job, that's the direction they're going to go. So unless we do something, and I mean whoever whoever comes up with the idea, however they get it through, unless we are able to do something about a workforce to build the homes we need, we are going to continue to see the biggest thrust in our driver of our inflation is going to be, have to do with our home prices, what we're paying for rent what we're paying for our mortgages the statistics i've thrown out there i've asked people to do their homework i don't expect you to believe my words but when you're building over sixty-five thousand homes a year back in 07 i believe it was 08 before the crash and now we're not even at half of that when the demand is even higher we don't have a workforce to build them the construction industry is begging for people to come into apprenticeship programs so that they have the workforce that they need to build the things they need to build. That is slowing us down. Uh, you know, I'm mixing two issues here when I talk about the border, but a guest worker program, making sure, you know, one of the things that can be done, we can't control the border issue. We can't control what the federal government does with laws pertaining to visas and allowing people to come here to work. We can't control that. That is a federal issue that has got to be handled by the Biden administration and the leaders in the United States Congress. But what we can do here in the state of Arizona is foster that growth. We can focus on industries and education. We can focus on the CTEDs, the Career Technical Education Districts. We can drive students in schools earlier in their ages. This is something that we should have been doing years ago. There is no shame in figuring out with a child and that child's parents when they get into high school, what pathway do you think you're going to take? You can change paths, but there are some students that are destined for a college education and they're going to become doctors and nurses and lawyers and journalists, and they're going to find a living through a college degree. And there are other people that are better suited for and want to go into the workforce. Why are we not reaching these kids at younger ages? Because you know now when you go, when kids go and see a counselor, it's almost exclusively fill out financial aid forms. You're going to need this for college. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that in order to get into college and college, college, college. Now, I have said many times, I wish I had a college degree. I don't begrudge a college degree. I think it is a phenomenal asset for a lot of people. It wasn't the path I took. I regret now not having a college education at 55 years old, but I wouldn't change the path my life took for anything. The trades were exceptionally good to me. To take a kid at 14 years old as a freshman, certainly 15 years old as a sophomore, 
and say to that kid, what do you think? Are you are you really going to fight to go to college? Because if you are, these are the things you need to do to get into a really good college and to qualify for financial aid or grants or money to make it dramatically cheaper for you. What about the workforce? Are, do you want to get a skill set? Do you want to go to one of these career technical education districts, one of these CTEDs, and go in and find something you love to do? What is it you'd like to do? I'd love to be an EMT. Well, they have an EMT program here. You know, I want to be a cosmetologist, a massage therapist. I want to be uh, I want to be in the construction world. I would love to have my own construction company someday. And then talk to these kids and the pathway they're going to go that maybe they go to one of these CTEDs for the last two years of their high school education and they come out with a skill. It helps our economy. It's not the fast fix we're looking for, but it certainly is moving them in the right direction. And it's helping a child find purpose at a younger age so that they know that the courses they're taking in high school are valuable because whether they're getting them into college or moving them closer to their skill set and their trade they're going to be in, they find the classes useful. I just think it's a no brainer. And that is what's going to help drive our economy. That's what's going to help drive all of this. Coming up in a moment, um, what did we learn from the Twitter files? Was there cheating in the 2020 election? We'll talk all about it coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you spending some time here with the show. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, please do it. It's very simple to do. On any device you have, listen at your convenience. Never miss a minute of the show. It's brought to you this week by my good friend Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home and guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. So the Twitter files, Elon Musk releases more files saying that the uh, the suppression of a lot of information during the campaign, especially when it comes to the Hunter Biden laptops, laptop story was pretty heavy that the FBI played a big role in it. They had frequent meetings talking down this. It was suppressed. We have heard Meta or Facebook in recent months have said there was a mistake to not have those stories on their platform, that they were uh, kind of talked into it and they shouldn't have been. So a lot of people now want to suspend this and go back and redo 2020, it can't happen. Listen, whether you think it's fair or you don't think it's fair, at some point you've got to move on. I talked about the NFL teams and I've talked about a game where a team was uh, was stopped from going to the playoffs. It was the Saints-Rams, and there was a non-call that was so egregious. First, we have to talk about was it intentional or was it just a huge mistake? It was just a huge mistake. But even if it were intentional, the game would have gone on. The referees would have been punished, but the game goes on. And the next season, if the team that didn't get to go to the Super Bowl that year, which it turned out to be the Saints, if they had just continued to complain about that and continued to complain about that and want to go back and replay the game or do this or do that, that would have affected their next season. That's exactly what I think is happening with a lot of these things. But there was a question that was asked. Steve Kerr is the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, and uh, he was making a statement about for-profit media companies, which I think is, uh, again, demonizing the word profit. But listen to what he had to say. You know, media for profit these days is is so bad. It's so negative because it just it pulls people into those camps that you're talking about. And then it just reinforces the negative stereotypes of the other side 
and meanwhile, these these uh, media companies are are just churning out the dollars by, you know, fomenting anger and and distrust. And it's like, yeah, this is not really a good recipe for a healthy country. I would say that right now with what's going on at CNN, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but CNN is hemorrhaging money right now. They're laying off a bunch of people right now because they are hemorrhaging money. So it isn't that anybody's printing dollars. But I, I would say to you that for profit, anything is not evil in its, in and of itself. Um, you still have players that love – I love college sports, even though kids now are able to sell their likeness and image and all that stuff. I love the passion of college sports. I love pro sports too. World-class athletes playing a game that they love. There is still so much passion to watch people play. In the NBA, I got to go watch the Suns in a playoff series um, last year. It was amazing to watch the run they had making it to the finals the year they went to the finals. That was the year I got to go and watch them play in the playoffs. And it's amazing to see the atmosphere from the fans and from the players on the court. And they're making huge amounts of money. That doesn't mean anything. Integrity is the issue. And I I talked about this earlier. Um, If the FBI was being used, if if the leaders at the FBI in order to save their jobs were – and I'm jumping to a conclusion here, and I'm saying if because we don't know that all of this is true. There's a lot of evidence. There's suspicion that this happened, that the FBI at the behest of the White House was pushing down these stories and saying to Meta or Facebook and saying to – to uh, Twitter that, hey, listen, this is, you know, Russian, this this smells a lot like Russian disinformation. This smells a lot like a falsehood here. So they decided to push these stories down and not run them on their platforms. And there are many people that said, had they known that the Hunter Biden laptop story was legitimate and that it does connect the dots to the White House in a number of ways, it probably would have changed the way they voted, certainly in a primary so we know, but you aren't going to go back and change the results. We're not going to go back and change the results. At least I don't believe that they are or could. I should say not are could. Um, what you have to do is fix the situation and move forward. And you're talking about integrity. And if people are looking to news sources, and again, I mentioned earlier, I'll say it again. I don't look to social media for my news. And there are some that do, especially younger people. They go to, they get their news. They consume the information that they consider to be news from TikTok and from Snapchat and from Twitter. And those are news sources to them. Well, what happens when you've got um, you've got somebody in that industry that has a platform like Twitter and their goal is to push one side of the political aisle up and the other side down? That's a lack of integrity. So you got all of these people that are election deniers who are blocked. You got all of these people that are masked, not wearing masks. They've got them pushed down. Everything's got a warning label and a fact check on it. And then you turn out some of those turn out to say some of the things that you said were lies turned out to be the truth. Who pays the price and the penalty for that? Instead of the free exchange of ideas, and you have to be smart enough to go and decipher the truth for yourself. I love what I do. I give my opinions on stories. I believe I'm being factual in the things that I say. I don't come out here and I don't lie. You may disagree with my conclusions, but I get to give my opinion for a living. But even I don't think, if you're a fan of the show, that you should take my word as gospel. Do your own homework. I love debate and disagreement when it comes up, when it's legitimate. And we're all trying to hold each other accountable in a good way. But you can't go to one source and only hear whatever tickles your ears and you want to believe it, so that must be the truth. You've got to do some level of homework. 
And we've lost that in this country, all in the interest of fairness. And I think we're going in a, in a huge, in an immensely wrong direction. So now we switch. Can the government force you to say things that you don't believe? We're going to talk about a very interesting story next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show as always. Can the government force us to say things we don't believe in? The Supreme Court's going to decide in this term according to this opinion piece. And it's an interesting look at what we believe and what we have to say and what we can and cannot say. Um, And it talks about a woman that owns a business called 303 Creative, devotes her time to projects she cares deeply about from helping children with disabilities to animal shelters and veterans. Um, Because of her strong belief that God intended marriage to be between a man and a woman, she wanted to include a message on her website explaining her choice not to create sites for same-sex weddings. So let's just start there. Um, You have... I don't understand where this fight is when it comes to weddings in particular. Um, I've paid for a couple of them. Um, And uh, when my oldest got married and uh, we were shopping around for people, I I'm 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 pretty easygoing. But if I'm spending money in your store, I don't expect attitude. If you give me attitude, if you don't want my business, I will gladly take my business somewhere else. You have a right to run your business any way you want to run your business. But if you're going to give me attitude as a customer, I'm going to take my money and I'll spend it somewhere else. I'm not going to shut down your shop by not working with you, but I'm not going to I'm not going to spend my hard-earned money on something. First of all, just in general. But when you think of a wedding that is supposed to be the nicest most special day for that couple that you would do it and you would you would mandate that somebody be a part of your wedding day that has already told you they want nothing to do with you that's a political maneuver so now you're weaponizing and politicizing this there are people that just don't like you I, and I will go even further with the, these things imagine someone that is a Muslim baker being forced to participate in a bar mitzvah. Imagine if you are a Muslim caterer and you're being forced to cook pork for a celebration. Um, Those are religious beliefs. Imagine if you owned a Jewish bakery, if you were a Jewish baker and you were forced to make a swastika cake for something. Oh, you would never have to do that because swastikas are evil. Well, in the mind, I think that it's a horrible symbol. I think it was a horrible time in the world. It should never be used again. But people have the freedom to believe whatever they want, and should you be forced to participate? How about this? I have talked about being pro-life. What if I am part of a pro-life celebration? I was part of an event that's raising money for pro-life causes, the Center for Arizona Policy or for Choices Pregnancy Centers, which don't um, offer abortion counseling or, or, or you know, um, 
nor do they direct or do abortions. Um, what if I said, we're going to raise money for them, we're going to have a dinner, and I would love for you to come, and it's going to cost you this much per meal, but all of the money is going to go to the Choices Pregnancy Centers. And I reached out to a caterer, and that caterer is adamantly pro-choice. And I said to them, well, you've got no choice. I'm hiring you, and you're going to cook the dinner for all these people. A, should you be forced to participate? And should anybody that was eating that dinner feel comfortable knowing that people that hate them prepared the food? Now, you notice I haven't made a moral judgment on gay marriage, on same-sex anything. But all of a sudden now, people are being directed that because of these specially protected groups of people, whoever those specially protected groups are, you no longer can abide by what you hold dear. Now, there's a difference, and I'll be honest. I think that everybody sees the difference. There is a difference between a restaurant owner saying, I am not going to serve a gay couple a meal in my restaurant or saying, I'm not going to cater your gay wedding. It's a big difference. There is a difference saying I don't agree with you and I'm not going to participate in something that I don't believe in. There's a huge difference. And as a business owner, you should have a right to say yes or no to anyone that, you know, and then we also know that when things like this happen, we have seen businesses go out of business for standing up for what they believe in, refusing to make a cake for a gay couple's wedding. And then that couple goes out on social media or goes on to one of the review sites like Yelp or otherwise and say, you know what? We are we are a gay couple. We went in and we wanted them to make the cake. They refused to make the cake. Just so you know, these are the people you're dealing with. And if they lose a big chunk of their business, that is the market responding and saying we don't want to do business with you. But the government stepped in and telling you that you have to, and then where does it stop? Again, where does it stop? I've been raised, uh, you know, I was raised a Christian. I was raised Catholic, um, and I, I haven't attended a Catholic church in a long time, but I did. I went to a different church for years and years and years. But when I was a kid, um, one of my closest friends uh, from childhood is Jewish. He's a Jew. And I went to his bar mitzvah and I wore the yarmulke and I did all the stuff you were supposed to do out of respect for his celebration. Um, I wish him a happy Hanukkah every year. I, you know, I have so many friends that are of different faiths than I am. Um, and I would understand completely if, you know, they're not going to participate. They wish me a Merry Christmas. There's a big difference between wishing, wishing someone a Merry Christmas when you're a Jew and participating in communion. And if you say, well, my house, my rules, you're going to do this. How? How do you make somebody cross that threshold? And then you call what they're saying hate speech. And that's where the danger lies when you try to limit people's right to say and express how they feel. I don't always agree with people, but they have a right to express themselves. They have a right to their feelings. They have a right to their convictions. And since when as a nation, since when is it an American principle that we, our government, is going to step in and say this is an allowable freedom of speech issue. You're allowed to state your opinions on this or abstain. You are a you are a Muslim uh, caterer. You don't have to make because that violates your religious principles. But you over there, the Christian, you have to make that cake because that's a protected group of people and we said you have to participate in that. 
It's absurd. It's all absurd. And anybody out there, I don't care if it's a gay wedding, straight wedding, doesn't matter. If you are using your celebration as a political tool to force somebody else to your point of view because you think the government's going to do it, then you're, you're shortchanging yourself or whoever you're paying for that wedding for. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. You are shortchanging yourself. You're using a day that's supposed to be the best day of your life in a celebration for a political maneuver. That shouldn't happen either. What we're going to do in a moment is talk about the border. I talked earlier about this. Dreamers are still in limbo, and it's a disastrous place to be. We're going to talk about the border issues and how one country is being pressed by the U.S. to help with the cartels in Mexico. I'll tell you who and why coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, I talked earlier about this. I wanted to bring it up again. We're going to take a different path in a moment, but I'm going to start with the Dreamers. You know, the Dreamers were um, now effectively, the, the law in Arizona now is the Dreamers will have in-state tuition. There were pros and cons. It wasn't a hill I wanted to die on. I, I just don't like the piecemeal approach to solving this problem. I think there needs to be legislation federal. I think they need to be protected. There's no way as Americans that we are kicking the dreamers out of this country. We also need a pathway because we have created a new generation of dreamers. That's part of the big problem here is that we've got dreamers that are now adults. These were kids that were brought here by no choice of their own that are now effectively raised in America, raised in our schools. They are Americans by every other account except birth certificate. And they're not citizens of this country. And we've got to do something to permanently protect them. This goes back to presidents just on this one issue. But here's another issue when we talk about the border. And I brought this up. I was reading about this today because the president's going to be here tomorrow. The president will be here out of the chip plant and is not going to go to the border, but he's still going to be in a border state. Those conversations still should be had, not just with our current governor, who is a Republican, but the governor-elect. Katie Hobbs should be having this conversation with the president of the United States. I don't care that she's a Democrat. This border issue affects everyone in a border state. Here's a USA Today headline. U.S. drug czar wants India to stem flow of chemicals used by Mexican cartels for fentanyl. So we now are reaching out to India and asking them for help in stemming the tide of the of shipping from you know and I'm not saying they're doing the right thing but selling the chemicals they have in their country to Mexico so that fentanyl can be made that's now being trucked across our border we are employing we are asking for the help of other nations in the in the manufacturing of fentanyl when we aren't doing anything to stop the distribution of it that's the part of this that's so frustrating we know what a killer this drug is, and instead of there being a full court press at the border to stop it from crossing, look what we've done. It is a porous border where this is coming through. Senator Cinema was on this show with uh, Matt Salmon last Friday when I was off. He had Senator Cinema on the show and talked about Title 42. And uh, she also talked about the secretary, um, uh, Mayorkas, and her question, her questioning of Mayorkas. 
letter uh, to Secretary Mayorkas reminding him that this has been coming for quite some time and that they don't have a plan in place. And just about two weeks ago, I, as you know, I sit on the Homeland Security Committee in Senate. I actually chaired a border committee and I questioned Secretary Mayorkas directly and said, look, you don't have a plan. This is going to be overwhelming for Arizona and you've got to take action to fix it. And there's got to be louder voices that do that. Again, I understand my place. I, you know, I'm, I'm here to talk about what I believe is correct. I think most people understand something has to be done about the border. There are people that believe we should have no border, that it should be wide open. But most people understand border security is necessary for national security and for order and how people come here. And when people come here, we should be fixing our immigration system. But we need border security. And it's got to be people on the president's side of the aisle, Senator Sinema, Senator Kelly, uh, our governor, our, our governor-elect, when she is sworn into office, should be having conversations with that administration because you should have their ear because you're part of what would get them elected to office or reelected to offices. You believe in the majority of the things that they stand for. But as a border state, you cannot look at what's happening at the southern border in Arizona. You can't look the citizens of the borders, towns across southern Arizona. Arizona and say that you are doing your job as a leader without calling out the federal government's lack of enforcement of border security issues, period. They're not going to listen to me, nor should they. I don't listen to them. You know, I'm never going to vote for President Biden. He's never getting my vote. Neither is uh, anybody else that's going to be run as a Democrat for president. They are not going to get my vote. So they don't care what I think, nor should they. They want to go to people that A, have their vote. Or people that would consider voting for them. Those are the people that should be standing up and saying this is not a right versus left issue. This is a right versus wrong issue. Here in the state of Arizona alone, just from pure economic standpoint, our number one trading partner is Mexico as a state. We have an an incredibly good relationship with the Mexican people. The border crossing on both sides, Americans going into Mexico to shop and they own land and they have businesses and they go and they, uh, you know, they have vacation places down in Rocky Point and vice versa. The people from Mexico that will drive north, that will come as far north as the malls here, the Biltmore Fashion Square to shop for the holidays. We have an amazing relationship. The problem is the cartel controls the border. The cartel is growing in strength in Mexico. Towns are dangerous. We should be working together to stop these things from happening, and we're not. Our This administration has turned a blind eye and has completely turned their back on the border issue. And it's got to be other people on that side of the aisle or independent voters that would vote for this administration that have to convince them that what they're doing is wrong. And the appropriate time to have that conversation will be when he is here tomorrow. They should go celebrate that chip plant, talk about the CHIP Act, CHIPS Act. They should do all of those things. But having a conversation, not just the current governor who's a Republican, but the governor-elect who's a Democrat, they should be in his ear. I just don't know if they will be. Coming up after 11, we shift back to the economy. Stick around.